It's All Things MMA Saturday on KCLR uh, And now available uh, Thankfully After uh, a long time uh, On Spotify And Apple Podcasts And Google Podcasts And all of those other places It's Ken with you uh, Joined as always uh, By Miles Price Head coach of Team Rhino Kilkenny Himself a Bellator uh, Lightweight fighter Miles how are things? How are you? How's the week been? Hey Ken how's it going? The week's going really well Thanks so far Excellent, uh, Miles. What we're we're looking at and what we looked at last week was uh, UFC 254, one of the most anticipated main events of the year. Saw so Khabib Nurmagomedov take on Justin Gaethje uh, for the UFC lightweight uh, title. It's a week on uh, from the event, uh, but there's there's still loads to talk about. Uh, Khabib's retirement being one of the biggest jumping off points for the week. Uh, but let's let's go back to the fight when we looked at it last weekend, and I was asking you to call it. You had an eye on thinking it was going to be a lot of back and forth uh, and yeah. that it would be Habib come the fourth round uh, who would still take away the win. How did you uh, how did you think the fight went uh, and what were your reactions to it? Uh, not really surprised at the result but I'm surprised at how quick it happened, you know. Uh, it just seemed like there was such a massive gap in jiu-jitsu skill like between the two of them on the floor. I don't even think it was necessarily wrestling because I've seen Habib do that to NCAA wrestlers in the training room, you know, so I wasn't surprised that. And Justin isn't very big either. I mean, Habib throws around welterweights in the in the training room, like, you know, and middleweights, like, so, I mean, for Justin is small, he hasn't used his wrestling and competition offensively in a long time. So, uh, for me, I'm not surprised with the result. I was just surprised with how fast it happened. And how much of a drastic difference there was in the jiu-jitsu department, you know. It wasn't even the wrestling, it was just he didn't have a clue what to do with the with the submissions or anything like that, you know. It seemed like Justin yeah. reverted and it, this this is this is kind of looking at things from the outside, but uh, it seemed like Justin reverted to the Justin Gaethje of uh two or three years ago, three, four years ago maybe, where he would uh, come in all guns blazing, wanting to be the one that was entertaining, throwing anything and everything. Um, Whereas if you go back to the Tony Ferguson fight, everything was much slower. It was much more clinical. uh, And he he took the five rounds as if it was a kind of a, a walk in the park. Yeah, look, you're going up against Tony Ferguson. There's an awful lot of of damage that can be done on both sides but when things got underway against uh, Habib uh, it, it it just seemed like the the game plan that we thought might be there from Justin just just wasn't and that was that was from the get-go um, one of Habib's uh, greatest assets is the ability to to force people to rush um, just from my personal experience when I was uh, training with Habib and doing like the heavy grey room spars uh, I learned over time that the worst thing I could do was panic, you know, and to let the anxiety of a high-paced spar influence how I I follow through with my what I need to do basically and how I'm being proactive. Uh, he doesn't. Ext- he's kind of a. It's kind of not really seen because it's hard to know if you're a casual fan to see what's going on. But he does a very very good job at forcing you to to feel a little bit anxious and under pressure. So I think the reason why Justin looked drastically different and probably the way he did three years ago is because Habib made him feel that way by putting pressure on him and making him pro while being on the back foot. 
he did a very good job at, as well at, at throwing as Habib came in, but he wasn't set correctly because he didn't have the time to do it, you know. Like, Tony did a lot of moving around, so he had a lot of time to kind of set his feet, calculate where Tony was, uh, time him as he came in with the right-hand left hook and the jab and the leg kick worked very well in that fight too. Uh, Habib just didn't give him that opportunity simply, you know. He just ran him down. He's very good at pawing. He looks like his defense and his striking looks a little bit amateurish in a way, but he's actually very good at rolling with shots and parrying. DC has a very similar skill set, you know. He's very good at rolling away from shots and parrying in a very unorthodox way in order to get underhooks and overhooks. Well, the pressure certainly paid off anyway. We saw the, the jiu-jitsu on Habib's side really come into play at the end of the first round uh, and he goes for the armbar. Uh, and then in the, the second round, the finish uh, through the, the triangle side of things. I don't know if you've seen this clip. Uh, I'm going to play it. Uh, it's from ESPN. Uh, in the US it's uh, MMA journalist Ariel Helwani who works with ESPN who's in conversation with Daniel Cormier uh, who trains uh, obviously enough with, with Habib at uh, AKA uh, have a listen to it I'll get your reaction after there were a number of little things that played into uh, the, the Justin Gaethje submission right and I'm, I'm grabbing my phone because I want to read this I spoke to Habib yesterday and we were talking about it and I said I want to make sure I say it the right way Okay. Um, he told me when he was watching the interviews over the course of the week, right? He saw that Justin said he would never tap. Justin would never tap. And so when he was going to the submission, he said, it's his dad's favorite submission, right? Wow. Getting to the mounted position, going to the arm bar, going to the triangle. Wow. He said it was his father's favorite submission. So when he got there, he was going to do the arm bar, but he had heard Justin all week saying he would never tap. And he didn't want to hurt him in front of his parents. So he went to the triangle and just kind of put him to sleep. What? He's thinking I about this in that moment? He actually told me that, bro. He goes, I didn't want to hurt him in front of his parents. So I said, I'm going to go and put him in the triangle. And then if he goes to sleep, go to sleep, you wake up, you're fine. This is exactly what, what he told me. That's crazy, yeah. right? That he is, did not want to hurt Justin goosebumps. in front of his parents. That gives me goosebumps. I, to have the, I mean, to be comfortable enough to think about this in the moment, you know, like, that's crazy. He, he didn't want to break his arm because if Justin's not going to tap, you have to break it. And he didn't want to do that to him in front of his mom and dad. So he said, if I put him to sleep, he'll wake up and, and everything will be okay. Seems like an awful lot to be uh, thinking about during the moment. Very, very, very considerate. A lot of these things are only coming out after the fact, of course. Um, do, 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 you, do you buy into it? If he gets a feel for you and your game, he kind of has a, he gets, he, his confidence just goes through the roof. Like he just kind of has a guarantee in his head that he's going to win the fight. So he did have time to think about that. Of course he did, you know, and I think that just speaks a lot about who Habib is as a person, you know, to be honest with you, he's a great guy. His morals are in and he really does care about others. You know, he really, really does. Like, you know that if you hung around him with it a little bit, you know, you have to look past the, uh, Russian like strange culture thing you know what I mean like it's like we're talking about um, you have to look a little, little bit deeper than that and unless you know somebody like I don't know who beat that well you know like we're I consider us friends definitely uh, but not close you know but from what I know of him and my experience with him is that his morals are in check and he's a great guy but from an outside perspective he'd seem very intimidating and he's not really 
a likable character in the sense of his religion, all these things that he, that, like, you know, he's not a very marketable fighter, is he? You know what I mean? But mm. like over the last, like not compared to the likes of McGregor, you know, or Masvidal, who are kind of like loud, mouthy street fighters, you know, which is fine, you know, but at the end of the day, I think it's it says a lot about him as a person. I don't think you'd get that kind of carry on from a lot of athletes, you know. Well, on on the marketable side of things, he gets put in at at the top of the UFC's pound for pound rankings, which the likes of the likes of John Jones and and uh, a few others weren't uh, overly happy about. And we saw we saw the retirement. the The gloves go down. He'd, he'd pay tribute to his his father, his his mother, everybody he trained with uh, over the years. And a couple of things come out of that. So in his in his post fight announcements, he's like, uh, Justin and Connor uh, will fight in uh, in January. The the Poirier thing isn't really a kind of a done deal. We saw Justin Gaethje uh, jump on that on the back of it in his own kind of post match words as well, saying, "Look, if Connor wants to throw down uh, or or hop out or or bounce out or whatever the words were, and uh, have a crack uh, against him for the for the title in January, um, let's do it." You've got. Dustin knocking on the door you've got Tony Ferguson who's still there in some kind of capacity uh, you've got Michael Chandler uh, who was brought in as a as a late kind of blood substitute for UFC 254 and, and he's looking uh, he's looking at things as well so in, in the wake of everything and let's assume that Habib stays retired and the, and the title uh, remains vacant at least through the end of the year uh, where do you see things going now what's what's the next logical step in, in your eyes do you put the likes of McGregor in there uh, do you make it a, a do you take a tournament kind of approach and and get a lot more of the, the lightweights uh, active and, and, and gunning towards the title well, tournament based, anything tournament based, tournament based is not good business for the UFC because they don't have control of who fights who. Um, that's why I'd much rather the um, I'd much rather the uh, the Bellator format because I feel like that it's just a lot better in regards to actually finding out who the best is, you know. Whereas in I don't I don't think the UFC will ever do a tournament based. Uh, uh, not ever again they did in the early days but they won't now like because they don't have enough enough control and power of who they can actually pick and choose to make them the most money in fights you know it's like this uh, Shimeya fella he's very good but like he's definitely not as good as what people make him out to be like he hasn't met any resistance yet you know yeah uh, like he, he's just they're trying to get him up as quick as possible so people are kind of like just naively to be honest with you believing that he's a certain level when he's not you know so he's going to find out very quickly in December actually that when he bumps into Leon Edwards that he's not really at that level but uh, anyway, in regards to uh, in regards to Habib you know I feel like that like Shale I, I listened to a, a podcast on Shale Sun in there the last day I like listening to Shale at times and he's uh, he, he's right like you know like unless unless Habib comes back and and I, I think a perfect final fight for Habib to be honest with you is fighting Kamaru Usman for the for the for the welterweight crown really? as well because we're, li- we're living in an era of double champs now you know it's like that's just the era we're in like if you want to be the best pound for pound fighter of all time John Jones isn't even in the equation if you if you ask me like you know what I mean I, I don't know I, I don't I, I don't know I think George St. Pierre is like you know because he's like that's another great fight for Habib to come back come back to but like George St. Pierre is like it's not just about being undefeated I feel like and that's no disrespect to Habib obviously you know like I feel like he is 
the pound for pound greatest. But if you're talking about resumes and you're talking about all the other champions, like then you have to hold two belts in two weight divisions and you have to beat the who's who, which he has in his weight division. But I feel like if he wants that status of being the number one pound for pound of all time, then he has to take those two belts. The same way John Jones has to, because that's just the era that we're in now, you know? And the pound, people quickly forget that the pound for pound list is just some made up list that doesn't really have any rules. So the only rules we can really go by is somebody's resume, you know, and how impactful they were in those divisions, you know? Like if, if, if you're going by who the greatest of all time is, then just by skill set alone, then it's Anderson Silva in his prime, you know? So this can go back and forth quite a lot, really, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't feel that, I don't feel like that the UFC are going to do like a tournament-based thing because they haven't got control. So I feel like that they're probably more than likely going to do Justin and, and or sorry, um, Connor and somebody else for the title because Connor just makes the most money out of all those guys, like plain and simple. It's not about who's, who's the best. It's about who makes the most money and Connor makes the most money. Now we, we've we've seen that happen on the payday side. We've even seen it happen this week. And the, the commentary from Tony Ferguson when it comes to uh, when it comes to his opponents, he he quipped uh, something towards the UFC that he didn't want people getting paid any more than him for fighting, unless it was McGregor, because he knows the level of the level of revenue that McGregor will generate. I hadn't actually considered um, the likes of of Habib and uh, Kamaru Usman. I don't think it's come up in conversation uh, too many times. I know there was there was talk now now that we're a week on from the there was talk um, uh, that uh, maybe the the emotions of the occasion um, led to Habib making that announcement Javier Mendes uh, his head coach at AK hadn't uh, anticipated it or, or seemingly hadn't hadn't anticipated it or hadn't known anything about it the UFC hadn't known anything about it uh, yeah. and when the dust settles that it, it might be a case where he comes back and does you know aims aims for that that 30 and 0 GSP as a as a possibility but um, oh, I think so I think I think he's going to I think he's going to come back and, yeah. and do that you know it's, I mean yeah I do like I like it I don't know like there's one side of me that's like you know why wouldn't he but sure, that's how I think. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think the same as yeah. Habib. Like, I mean, like you're talking about a man that, it, like, you, when he says to you that he can, he he doesn't need much to be content in life. He really means it. You know, he doesn't live in our world. You know what I mean? Where we're drawn by 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 hierarchies and and and. And we like you know in in our society we care too much about what people think like you know what I mean so yeah. that's going to draw us back into doing things for the fame whereas in Habib doesn't care what people think like he's he has his close knit network of people his brothers that that make him a content person he has he cares about family he cares about religion he cares about the afterlife he cares about he grew up with nothing so he doesn't care about about like phones and materialistic things he just has them but they're not an extension of who he is. Like they're just things, you know, they don't, you, you, you know, for a fact that he's not going to come back for anything other than like, you know, his mom, I'd say, I'd say the only time he'll actually do it is that if his mom actually says, I'll let you have one more fight. But I don't think he's going to come back other than that, you know, to be honest, but it would make sense. It would make sense to finish at 13, you know, because that was his father, which is, 
it would make sense for him to take two titles because that's the era we're in, the champ champ era now. Will he do it? I mean, the yeah. chances are probably 70-30 if you had to ask me, you know, because I feel like he is a man that will stand by what he says. And he does. It won't. He won't be the type that it'll take much to be just content with whatever he has in life. Okay, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, we'll see what happens with with Cameron Osman. I think he was ruled out of his next uh, his next bout against uh, Gilbert Burns. That fight is still to go down. Um, but yeah, I'd be I'd be curious to see what happens. Uh, going on from there, uh, Miles, and just to kind of touch on on other things that have been in the news over the last couple of days, uh, there was a wave of uh, US and European names out of contract uh, with uh, Bellator some some bigger uh, now these aren't these aren't saying that they have been officially released uh, from uh, the Bellator side of things or they might be tempting free agency or things like that Uh, Ricky Bandejas um, who was the the one to hand James Gallagher uh, his first loss his first loss you know he went on and he had a a good old fight against Sergio Pettis as well he got Uh, that go did he yeah I think that's that's the it's it's likely he's going to move on again uh, I'm not sure uh, not sure where AJ Agazarm is gone Derek Campos uh, some of the the Irish side of things uh, Richie Kiley maybe not uh, not too much of a surprise uh, there was that uh, fly and knee knockout uh, from MVP uh, do you think we could see Kylie hang around Bellator maybe go back into the, the cage warriors setup or or I know he's he's fighting um, sure he's fighting Terry Brazier on Bellator. So okay, so, oh that's that's the that's a, the possibility for February. Well, that that is well that is happening. Like I know from what I've seen and what I've heard, like he is he is fighting him. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, well, that I suppose that kind of answers that question. Then do we do we know anything about any any other Irish fighters? I mean, you were involved in that first wave of of European signings as well. Uh, obviously, this yeah. year has kind of taken its toll on on Bellator in general. A lot of uh, a lot of people that were signed out of um, Bama and Brave and, and other promotions yeah. to, to bolster the Bellator side of things. Oh, no, I got I got I got a message off. Uh, I got. Uh, my coach Andy Ryan messaged me the last day and told me that my contract was up as well and they sent me uh, they sent me an email if I was being completely honest with you I started laughing my head off because I was like I thought that was up ages ago <laughs> fair enough <laughs> I was like I'll be honest with you I'm I, I was I, I, I'm actually kind of delighted to be off the roster to be honest with you, you know uh, I kind of want to be a free agent because um, whenever I do go back fighting my my manager Ali, like that's Habib's manager, for you know at this stage that you know he's going to look after everything, and I want to be a free agent. You know, one of the main rules when it comes to uh, when it comes to being a fighter is that un- unless it's in your favor, like the the three rule three rules of the contract contract, which is like you get paid and compensated no matter what, you get a fixed payment. Uh, you get like um, if somebody pulls out of a fight then you still get compensated like things like that I didn't have any of those agreements when I had my contract with Bellator you know yeah. and you know for me I've just been waiting for my contract to go up to be with you because I'm in the monopoly in Ireland of just the bullshit policy you know like the Milan card there were 17 SBG fighters on that card I mean you may forget about getting any recognition in regards to being an athlete if Kavanagh and FBG are involved in the promotion just the way it is you know and it's always going to be that way 
So I ne- I needed to have a manager back my corner. And you know, like I don't want to be giving away figures, but like I'm get I'm I, I I was getting absolute peanuts for my fight in Bellator compared to my opponents who were getting like thousands more than me, you know. Yeah. So yeah. uh I'm not really interested in that side of things anymore. Uh, the money does matter, of course it does. I if it got if the money overlaps my morals, then I'll never I'll never um let that get in the way of me. But uh yeah. I'm I'm happy to be honest with you being one of those guys I let go. So. And I don't think I don't think that any of the other guys really care, to be honest with you. Like I mean well Bonjeo is what what's his name again? Ricky Bandeja. <laughs> will Bandeja probably fight in Bellator again? More than likely. Will I fight in Bellator again? More than likely. Will Richie fight in Bellator again? Well he's already fighting in Bellator again. Just because our con just because contracts are up doesn't mean you don't fight for the promotion again. It just means that you're more flexible now. That's all. Okay, good to know. Uh, Last one for you, Miles, uh, this weekend. Uh, Halloween, tonight, <laughs> obviously enough. Uh, big one, and you, you mentioned him as, um, you know, if, you, if, you're going on, if you're going on Legacy and you're going on all-time greats, that Anderson Silva uh, is up there as uh, greatest of all time. Uh, but he's in action tonight, probably the last time we're going to see him in the UFC, I would imagine. Uh, takes on Uriah Hall, uh, another guy who idolized Anderson Silva at one stage and now gets to, to meet him head on. Um, very, very quickly, how, how do you see this one playing out? It makes for the main event at the uh, Apex for the UFC this weekend. I think it's a great main event. I, I'm happy to see... Um to be honest with you, to see uh, Anderson Silva take a step down, I feel like that he's at that stage of his life now where he probably needs to step down. You know, like uh, in a way, it's it's sad to say this, but like you do kind of ruin your legacy if you turn into that journeyman a little bit. I think people quickly forget that Anderson Silva is probably is like if you're talking about unstoppable skill, and uh, I think like if you had to judge the pound and for pound list by pure skill and dominance then it's Anderson Silva like he was by far the most skillful dominant champion of all time there's nobody that did the things that he did it's just there's no match like when you're looking at overall resumes then you're probably looking at George St. Pierre or Fedor maybe but I mean Anderson Silva is by far the best skilled athlete and I think people need to remember that too you know because just because he's a bit of a journeyman now, you know, you don't judge, you know, you don't judge the book by its cover in regards to how he's performing. He's performing now because he just likes the thrill of competing. I don't think he wants to be a champion or anything like that, you know. And it's really great to see him just have that final fight now and let the fighter go a bit and just be like, you know, just be a father and a friend and a family man for the rest of his life now. Well, on that note... <laughs> That's all things MMA for this weekend. Miles, if people want to get in touch, what's the best way to do so? Uh, Miles Price MMA uh, for martial arts or fitness in general. That'd be grand. Well, he's been Miles Price. I've been Ken McGuire. If you missed any of the conversation and you want to catch up, you can now subscribe on Spotify and other podcast platforms. Uh, Get uh, previous episodes and this one and all the other ones that are coming down the line. Until next time, good luck. (laughs)